return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. High school graduation and your plans. Hi guys, I'm Nanaya Jamal. Um, My parents are over there. Um, I will be graduating from Brookings High School on May 28th. And and I will be attending Harvard University. Uh, (laughs) um, On a pre-law track, so with the intention of going into law school afterwards. Anything else you want to say? I think that this is a big testimony for me because I've always learned from my parents to, like, every New Year's, we have 31st night here, and I write down, like, what I want to happen for the year, and I pray over it so that as the year goes by, I can check it off as it happens. And my dream for the longest time has been to go to Harvard since I was nine years old. And so I remember, I think it was either, it was a few years ago on 31st night, I wrote, um, like, I will get into Harvard in 2023, and it happened, so I was able to go back to my diary and, like, mark that off, and that was very cool. (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, Francis Juniors, come on up as well. We're going to pray uh, for Nadia, Francis, the parents. And anybody who wants to join me, just come on up a second. But I love the fact you had a dream, a goal, a vision, and, and you knocked on that door and it opened up. I love it. You know, a lot of people have stuff, but you've got to keep knocking. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep knocking. keep knocking. So anybody who wants to join me, just come on up here a second. But I'm believing it's going to be a great year. And uh, I'm going to believe just that God's going to open doors, law school, everything else, and use you while you're at Harvard, amen, for his glory. So, Lord, thank you for Nania. Thank you, Lord, even that you brought to pass. Lord, uh, Lord, this dream that was in her heart, we thank you for blessing her. We thank you for this open door to Harvard. We pray, Jesus, even now, just prepare her way, Lord, for who she rooms with, and all those things. And I pray you'd use her on this campus, Lord, for your glory and honor as a light for you, Lord God. We thank you for revival at Harvard in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for using her, Lord, even for advanced degrees, Father. Thank you for blessing Nania. Thank you for blessing Francis and Eunice and all of their family, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for guiding them by your Spirit, using this family for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. I just want to share a little bit about honor and respect. Matthew chapter 8. Now, we know the story where Jesus went to Peter's house, and he saw his wife's mother that she was sick with a fever. So I just, just want to highlight this a second, though. Jesus went to their house. Peter was married. Okay, can you say Amen. Someone say he was the first pope. If he was the first pope, he was married, all right? <laughs> He's married, he had kids. All right, so Peter, he goes to Peter's uh, uh, house. 
And he sees his wife and also taking care of his mother-in-law. Now, in many, most of the world, this is common where the grandparents live with the kids, right? Live with the, live with the kids. The parents take care of the grandparents, right? So this is very common. The United States is so much different, you know, because people separate themselves and maybe don't take care of their families like they should. But I think it's a good model. I mean, I think it's a biblical model to want to take care of your parents' grandparents, all right? Can you say amen? So when Jesus is in the house, what do you suppose, you know, he, he, he comes to visit, but I think, I think he's very observant. And the thing is this, when Jesus visits your house, how does he tr- see you treating your spouse? Or how does he see you treating your family? All right? So the words we say in our home, the words we say, the actions that we have, should be very important to show honor and respect. It's not a show, it's a lifestyle. How you treat your spouse, the words you speak. We talked uh, the other week about framing our words, the words out of our mouth. Your words frame your world. So if you have harsh words for your spouse, or harsh words even in your family and so forth, it frames a world of harshness. People, People can feel that. Jesus can feel that. So Jesus is in Peter's home and visits, meets his wife, his mother-in-law. Of course, his mother-in-law gets healed and so forth. And, and uh, I think he was really blessed. Now, out of that, think of this. When we go to 1 Peter, when Peter writes, and Peter writes, it's really he's writing out of his own experience, all right? Husbands, uh, when you're... With your spouse, you're with them with understanding, give honor to the wife. Say honor. So you give honor to the wife as a weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, you're heirs together. The reason the devil fights marriages so much is because there's power in agreement. So a husband and wife can pray in agreement. You don't have to even call anybody else. You don't have to call... Any place, he just call just just your spouse, and you can stand in agreement. And those prayers are powerful. That's why the enemy wants to do what he wants to disrupt communication, and disrupt things between a husband and wife. So pretty soon they might be bickering and fighting, and of course not praying. So so notice it says, heirs together of the grace of life. And it says that your prayers may not be hindered. So this is implying there's a powerful prayer team between a husband and a wife. Now, Peter's writing out of his own experience. He had a wife. He had a mother-in-law. So he has his family. And so he knew you have to communicate. Nobody's perfect. There's no perfect husband or wife. (laughs) No perfect children. But because of grace, we communicate with each other to work together to do what? To advance the kingdom. Why are you here? You're not here to just enjoy life, have a good time, make a bunch of money, do, do everything you like, pamper the flesh. That's not the reason you're here. You're here in this world as a light for Jesus Christ. That's why you are here. Now, amen. Now, you work a job. Okay, you have a place you work. You have things you do. You eat food, all those things. Okay, that's fine. But you have a higher calling. You have a higher calling in life. So many people are frustrated with their lives because they're trying to find fulfillment out of their job or even fulfillment out of their marriage relationship or something. And that fulfillment only comes through Jesus Christ. 
A job isn't going to make you whole, or marriage isn't going to make you whole, or any of those things. It's Jesus that makes us whole. So when Jesus is here at the very center, then everything revolves around him. Just, just becomes blessed. Now, it says that all of you be of one mind. So, so one mind. How, how, are we, how are my wife and I going to be of one mind? Only if we're also in the word. And we're also focusing on Jesus. Amen. Because we're two different people. Everybody's different. So how can anybody in the body of Christ, who talks about the unity of the Spirit, how can you have unity in the Spirit unless you're looking at Jesus Christ? Unless you're looking at the Word of God. So man tries to create uh, fake or carnal unity. Oh, we're all unified and so forth. But the reality is they're not. Even denominations, you have denominations, people of the same, so to speak, background. And most of those churches don't get along either. <laughs> There's infighting and bickering and so forth, and you have conferences, and nobody else goes to the other people's conference. It's kind of sad. I mean, I, we were recruited by denominations and so forth, and they talked about how important it was to be a, be a part of this team and, so, and all that. And I said, you, you people don't even get along. <laughs> you don't get to Sioux Falls. They don't even get together their own meetings. Divisions and walls and so forth. The only way you can have unity, one mind, is by looking at Jesus and his word. Then, then things can begin to happen. I believe he wants your home blessed. I believe he wants every believer's home blessed. Amen. Blessed. That is the will of God. The will of God is not hardship and suffering. The will of God is to bless you so that you would be a light for him. Now, it goes on from there to say this, having compassion for one another. Compassion. Well, you have to feel what the other person feels. So many people, they're going, everybody's got their lives, they're going in different directions and never stop to think about, well, what are they going through today? What are they facing? What's happening in their life? Because the human nature all revolves around me. Remember, the middle, middle letter of the word sin is I. Right? So, all revolves around the person, what my world and everything going on, and forgets about other people. So, God is a God of compassion, therefore, we should be people of compassion. If I have compassion, then I can show honor and respect in my home. Isn't that right? So, you, you have a feel for people. So, there's compassion for one another. You love. You love as, as family. You care, but love is always given. Remember, you love his family. Notice the word tender-hearted. In many homes, rather than tender-hearted and softness, you see hardness. When it should be tender-hearted, should be sensitive, should be graceful, should be thinking about what are they going through. And then the last one is courteous. Say courteous. Well, courteous is, is a great word because I think a lot of times... People forget to say things like thank you and please. Turn to someone next to you and say thank you. Thank you for coming today. You know, life, life, courtesies. One of the things that says in the last days that people will be unthankful. Now, look at our country, just our country here. So those of you joining us from other places, we welcome you. We bless you today. In the United States today, this is called Mother's Day. All right. But we bless you where you're at. If you're a mom, we bless you as well. But in our country, in the United States, people tend to be very unthankful. They don't, they don't appreciate what they have. Complaining is a premium. 
So people complain about anything and everything. They complain about the government, they complain about gas, or they complain about food, or they complain about whatever it might be that you're involved in. People find reasons to complain. On the other hand, we should be thankful for the things that we do have. Amen? We should be thankful. We should be appreciative. So the word courteous, like even in our own home, sometimes a meal might be even cooked and it's almost like expect like, yeah, well, that was your job. No, everything should be received with courtesy. Even a job, if you get a paycheck, thank you. You know, we have, we have people that just are caught up in themselves. I deserve this. It's like, thank you for doing it. A whole, lot, a whole lot of things would go better if people were courteous. If they'd show courtesy. They'd show appreciation. We go to stores all the time and say, thank you. It's almost like, what? what? Almost like, did you swear at me? No, I said, thank you. you know? People don't say that. It's very sad. Christians, on the other hand, should be people that should overflow with thanksgiving. And that should go into your home. Is Jesus coming to your home? Yes, he does. Jesus comes to your home all the time. You're there, he's there. He sees if we're compassionate, if we're loving, if we're tender-hearted, if we're courteous. Jesus sees those things. Now, you go to the next verse, in verse 9. It says then that, that not returning evil for evil. Now, now, because why? Because we're just people. So sometimes, and I know it would never happen to anybody here, but sometimes people can get grouchy. And if you know somebody like that, then what do you want? Don't return grouchiness for grouchiness, right? So on contrary, the other side, you always want to be returning or giving a blessing. Say a blessing. blessing. So you want to give a blessing. Now a blessing, you're just showing respect to people. You're just showing respect. You're just showing appreciation. for every. I mean, I'm talking about just the basic things in life, showing appreciation. So you're not returning a, something else, a complaint or something. You're, you're giving a blessing because you were called, knowing that you were called to this. You were called to this to give a blessing. Turn to your neighbor say, turn, tell them, say, bless your family. All right. Now, we want to find excuses and say, well, maybe they're not serving the Lord or maybe they didn't do this or they didn't do this. Well, God's not keeping a list on you, and he doesn't want to keep you to keep a list on somebody else. He wants you to return a blessing. Say, I can do this. Okay, I can do this. This is biblical. He helps us. I can, with God's help, I can do this. I can return a blessing. Because we're in this world again. We hear all kinds of stuff. In our homes, people can hear criticism and so forth. No return a blessing. So I want to bless you. Find a way to bless somebody. You were called to this. And then it says that you would inherit the blessing. So you reap what you sow. So if I'm going to sow blessing, I'm going to start reaping blessing. All right? If I start sowing the things that that are courteous and tender-hearted and so forth, I'm going to start reaping things that are of that same nature. I'm going to reap, grow the seeds that I plant. Not hard, not rocket science, but it takes humility. You know, rather than returning criticism, it takes humility to return a blessing. Amen? It takes humility to do that. Say, for who would love life, see good days, let him refrain his tongue. Now, remember we talked about the tongue. 
Refrain means hold your tongue. Turn to your neighbor and say, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue from evil. It, it's so, because we because we're, have a fallen nature, it's easy when someone says something to bad to want to speak bad back. But it's like, hold your tongue, hold it, keep your mouth closed. I always say two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk. So if you want to see, now notice here's the promise. If you want to love life and see good days. Now, I just love living in revival. Revival is good. The presence of God is good. His love is good. But in everybody's life, there's times you have to hold your tongue. Say it again. Say, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue from evil. Now, you don't want to withhold your tongue from blessing. No, you want to speak the blessing. You want to withhold your tongue from the evil. All right? From, from lips that speak deceit. Things that, that, are, that aren't good, that are not honorable, and so forth. All right? In other words, you want to, men and women both, be a leader in your home. You're going to lead your home, you're going to lead your children, you're going to lead your grandchildren or whatever, or leader in your job. All these things can apply to your job the same way. Go on from there in verse 11. So it just says that, that let him t- turn away from evil and do good. Turn away. Now turn away, that's like repenting. You turn around, right? You want to say one thing, you want to do one thing, but God wants you to do another thing. Turn away from the evil and do good. Say, do good. Now, what is doing good? You, you pick something. Pick something to do nice in your home. What can you do in your home that would be nice for your spouse? What can you do in your home that would be something special for your kids? Some people say, well, the kids don't appreciate it anyway. doesn't matter. What can you do? What can you do in your job that would be nice for somebody else? So refrain from the evil and do something good. Seek peace and pursue, pursue. What are we pursuing? We're pursuing peace. We're pursuing peace. The goal, hey, who wants a happy home? Everybody does, right? But you have to pursue peace. And a lot of that, now again, comes from the words that you sow if, if you're sowing things that are bringing somebody down or derogatory or something like that, then that's what you reap. A lot of times people aren't, aren't even thinking about what they're saying or not saying. They're not showing appreciation. They're not being courteous. But you have to take inventory of your own life. and stop and think, Now, what am I doing? What am I doing to live into these things? Peter, Jesus visited Peter's house. We know that, right? And these are things that Peter practiced with his wife, right, with his family. And now he's writing these things in this letter for us to have today. Okay, these are, these are important things. So, so, so we seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. So God is, God's eyes are on you. His ears are open to your prayers. And, of course, that's what we want is open heavens in the house. Rather than irritation and things disgusting and so forth. If I came to your house, you could put on a show for a little bit. And it'd be like, we could think, wow, they just got a great house. Put on a show, door closes, and also, you know, all kinds of things could happen. So the thing is, the thing is, you have to always understand, Jesus is at your house. Jesus is in your conversations. Jesus does see what you say or think or your actions.
toward your spouse or toward your children or toward your grandchildren or children toward your parents. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I mean, if it's if it's everybody and this this overlaps, of course, into our jobs as well, into our lives. How can you change? How can you change your work environment? Well, it might, you know, you people pray a lot for other people that they change. And many times, really, the prayer should be, Lord, change, keep changing me. Keep changing me. Certainly, we want people to change. But how about me first? Me change, my actions, my life, my words. And all of a sudden, it begins to sweeten the atmosphere. It's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing. It, it begins to do good things. Like my, my, my son was a, was a manager at a place and so forth. And, and he was working with people and helping people and different things were going on. But he sweetened the atmosphere. So he brought roles. People think, you know, lots of times, what's the big deal? Hey, it's nice. People like treats. How many people like treats, right? People like treats. So, you know, you, you can do things, you can, simple things, but do things to show people that, hey, you care about them. You care about what they're going through. If you're online listening, yes, it is quiet in here. <laughs> because why? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, why, why are we talking about this? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. People want to talk about Peter. Oh, Peter, the guy who walked on the water and he preached the sermons. He did all this. And here we see in the Bible, Peter is talking about our personal lives in our homes. I love, I love the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost message. Yes, but this is probably more important because if you don't live this, you're not a spirit-filled person. See, spirit-filled isn't a category like, I speak in tongues, therefore I am spirit-filled. That is totally wrong. It's a lie. You can't say tongues and now you have all the things of the Spirit. Well, you don't. You want to grow the fruit of the Spirit. You want to grow the character of Jesus. Then if you add tongues to that, great, you've got this wonderful. But a Spirit-filled life means you're filled with God. You're filled with Jesus. And your words show it. And your actions show it. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you're at work, when you come home. So we can't claim a title. Amen? You want to claim a Savior, Jesus, and you want, to, you want to live like He wants you to live. So the message that Peter brought on Pentecost, love it, hallelujah, you got Pentecost Sunday coming up, love it, hallelujah. But this is where the rubber meets the road. Isn't that right? Because you can have a lot of people, you know, they got some of the Holy Ghost, but they're really quite flaky. Not plugged in, not grounded, not in the Word. Just kind of flaky. Oh, I love the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Laugh and giggle and all the stuff, but not grounded. Go home and gripe and complain and everything else. This is where the rubber meets the road. Now let's go beyond that. Acts 21. Acts 21, we see Stephen's house. All right? Stephen was one of the seven, chosen to wait on tables, filled with the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> bloomed where he was planted, married man, started walking in miracles, signs, all kinds of things like that. Now, Paul and his companions go to Caesarea and they enter the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven. 
So now you've got Paul. Now, we don't know how many people were with Paul. Incidentally, by the way, I always like the fact that, that people in the Bible were blessed. You just read through the lines. I mean, obviously, they housed all kinds of people here, right? They housed them. They fed them. They took care of them. All the things like that. So they weren't, they weren't we're just living in a little hut, and you find a corner over there to, to sleep on. No, no, they had, they had a place. They were blessed. They were blessed to be a blessing. So Paul and his companions come to Philip's house. Now, Philip's a married man. Philip has children. Now, what's going to happen? They stay there. And notice what it says. They, they stayed many days. It wasn't an overnighter. They stayed many days. Now, when someone stays with you for many days, you're not going to hide behavior. All right? You're not going to hide behavior. You're going to hear the argument that behind that thin wall. Well, you're going to hear it all right. You're going to hear it all right. It's like, you're going to hear it. So what's your life like? Philip invites these people to his house. There wasn't a time limit. All right, uh, you got two days. That's it. No, you got many days. We don't know how long that was. We don't know how long that was. That might have been weeks. We let people stay with us for weeks sometimes, right? So how, how you live your life is important. Now, he had daughters who were four daughters, and they prophesied. They preached. They were anointed women of God, not married yet. But the point is here, like what Peter wrote, is now we see, we see Philip, I guess it is, Philip's home, and we see how he treated his family. You see how he treated his wife with honor and respect. It's not a show. It's a life. It's a life because of who lives in us. If Jesus, the God of all love and source of all love and all compassion and uh, all these things, tenderhearted, forgiveness, gracious, kindness, all that lives in us, then that should be what comes out of us. It doesn't mean here or there you don't have a disagreement. Well, I thought we were going to have this for lunch. Okay, well, I guess we'll have it another time. You might have disagreements. That's life. However, how we treat each other, how we speak to each other is important. So Paul's in Philip's house. He sees he enters Philip's house. He's got a wife. He's got four daughters that we know for sure that preach. They stayed many days. And they were there just in the presence of the Lord. Now, I want to challenge you. You should have the presence of the Lord in your house. At any moment, a song could break out. Hallelujah. Do you ever have that happen in your house? A song breaks out. And you're like, oh, hallelujah. You're thinking of a song. Ever happen? You break out and all of a sudden you're praying or praising. Or you're just, just in agreement. You know, it's like, it's like prayer time. It isn't like, uh, even for us, when we come to a service here, it's not like, okay, now let's get in the Spirit. No, we're in the Spirit. Amen. I don't have to get in the Spirit. I want to live in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, live in the Spirit. Amen. You want to live in the Spirit. You don't want to have to be like, well, we've got to pray now. Pray, let's get in the Spirit. If, you, if that's your walk right now, you know you're going on the outside looking in. You want to get in the inside. You want to live in His presence. When it comes to worship time, we could be, we could be, it could be two o'clock in the afternoon and someone say, hallelujah, we just start worshiping.
Because why? Because it's a lifestyle. Because of who lives in us. And all of a sudden, there's just things going on and stuff. And someone might even come to the door and say, well, I guess they just heard some praise music, you know. They're hearing something good. Kids walk in. They're hearing something good. If we're in the kid's house, we'll break into songs. And the grandkids, they kind of look at us. That's Nani and Papa. <laughs> That's how they are. That's right. That's how we are. We want them to know. We want to demonstrate. Just want to live the life. We're a lover of Jesus Christ. We're a lover of the Holy Spirit. Now, kids will have something going on. Even some of the friends of the kids. They'll say, call Nani. She's a prayer. Call Nani. And they'll call her for prayer. Pretty amazing. Pretty neat. God, God wants to, he wants you to know he lives in your, he lives where you are. Amen. You want to show honor and respect. You want to understand you're influencing your children. Philip influenced four daughters. Amen. You want to influence the people around you for the glory of God. It should be, it should be that people would look at you and I, if you're on your job or something, they think, boy, where do they go to church? What is different in your life than your co-worker's life? What actions in your life are any different than the actions of your co-workers? What words do you say that are any different than your co-workers? Now, the challenge is, if, if people are looking around, they don't see anything different, then something's not right. Somehow, the gospel here... And here and ahead has got to get down in the heart and into the actions of our lives. And the pe- people looking at people like Peter and Philip and so forth, realizing, oh, signs, wonders, and miracles. Wow, that's really great. But wow, this is really great. A home that's steadfast in love, a wife, daughters, people are there for days in love with Jesus. Now, obviously, Paul and them are around long enough to hear these girls preach. Wow, they're anointed. Woo! Heard the girls preach. Probably heard the girls pray. Maybe the girls gave them a word. Who knows? But they're around long enough to see the fruit of what's happening in the home. See, we can disguise all this. We can disguise it from people and we can live kind of a shadow life. But you're never going to disguise it from God. Whatever, whatever you are doing, that's who you are. Amen? A, a, a reputation is what others think of you, but character is who you really are. So you can have a reputation. Oh, well, he's really a nice person. It's like, but well, how are they really? And where do you really know that is in your home. That's where you really know it. That's where it really comes to light. Amen? Second Timothy 1. Second Timothy 1, 5. So Timothy was influenced... By the, the genuine faith. Notice the genuine faith. So it wasn't a fake faith. It wasn't a churchy faith. It was genuine faith that was in the house. So he's influenced first by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded in you also. So he's influenced by this genuine faith. I like the word genuine. It's real. It's not fake. It's not cosmetic. It's real. It's something that... Boy, you're going to see, if you come to the house or whatever, you're going to see it happening. Amen? Amen. So, and it was in his mother and it was in his grandmother. It was in their relationships. It was in 
the things they carried on. So Timothy's growing up from a child, learning scripture and so forth, even though his daddy wasn't living, you know, daddy wasn't living that way, but his mother and grandmother were. You have influence. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have influence. <laughs> you have influence, right? Not every relationship, relationship can be perfect, but I'm just saying your life can influence others. Quick, let me give you a couple of quick references before we close. 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 just says the unbelieving partner can be blessed because of the believing, believing partner, right? Unbelieving husband can be sanctified by the wife. The unbelieving wife sanctified by the husband, all right? Just because they're believing, it brings the blessing. It brings the blessing of God. Amen? Amen. Verse, verse 16, how do you know a wife whether you will save your husband or wife or husband whether you save your wife? They're talking about your actions that are in the home and the things that you do in your home that can influence not just your spouse but your kids. Amen. Now, the world around us is sad. We, people come, thanks for coming today. Hallelujah. Wednesday night, thanks for coming Wednesday night. That's great. But think of all day long the media that kids are looking at. All day long the media adults are looking at. All day long the television that people are looking at. Telling them a vision. And so the little tiny bit of time that we have here is not enough time to shape or change anybody's life. It only comes by practice, by continuing in that genuine faith on a day-to-day -day basis that then will change people's lives. Isn't that right? I, uh, let's look at First Peter again. First Peter, Peter talks about these things, but verse one and two, and it says that that wives submit to your husbands, even if they don't obey the word. That without the word, because of their actions, they can be won by the conduct of their wife, because they can look at their lifestyle, and 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 their lifestyle influences people around them. I remember the Old Testament, I've said it here before, the Old Testament of the wife who gets saved and she gets saved and she starts going to church and she's growing in the Lord and her husband doesn't like it. And so she gets up on a Sunday morning, she's getting dressed and he, he gets up and he says, well, you're not going to church and he's angry. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want what's happening in her life. And she said, no, I'm going to church. He gets more upset, he goes over to the dresser, he opens it up and he pulls out a revolver and he points the revolver at her head and he says, no, you're not. You're not going to church. And she said, if you pull that trigger, I'm going to heaven. And if you don't, I'm going to church. And she went to church. And her husband got saved. Character. Genuine faith. The way you live your life will impact other people around you. Let's just close with this. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Again, we're just talking about honor and respect. We're just talking about saying things like thank you and please. Turn to your neighbor and say, tell them, say, say thank you and say please. <laughs> thank you and please. Sweet words. Sweet words that should be in our vocabulary. Amen. So you honor your father and mother. Honor. You show respect. It doesn't, it's not saying, it's, it's, it doesn't say honor your father and mother if they're Christians. You just do it. You show honor, you show respect to your parents. My, my parents, my parents didn't know the Lord for many, many years until they, just before they died. 
and then gave their lives to Jesus. But never, my parents never did say, hey, respect what you're doing or thank you for what you're doing or anything like that. Never gave me a compliment toward Christianity. But they got saved. Hallelujah. And yet I would go to visit them to show honor. Why is that? Because there's a promise. It'll be well with you. You can live long on the earth. So I would go and visit them and I would go and talk to them and, of course, share Jesus. And eventually they got saved. Hallelujah. But you show honor and respect. I told them things like, hey, thanks. Thanks for what you did as I grew up in my life. I thanked them. I showed appreciation. We began to hug them, which my family's not a hugger. So they're all athletic family. You didn't know if you were going to get a hug back or a swing to the face, you know. And we'd hug them. And pretty soon they became huggers. We're a family of huggers. So our kids, we could be out in the soccer field yesterday, and my son's bigger than me. Give him a hug. Doesn't matter who's there. That's just what we do. It's just what we do. That's, that's, that's showing love and respect. That's showing appreciation. My son, hey, give him a hug. So how we do that, how we demonstrate that is a reflection to other people. All right? Someone, someone I said before, someone, my grandson had a friend home and so forth who was an atheist, said he was an atheist, all that. He went from an atheist to an agnostic to a seeker. All because of what he saw. All because he kept seeing all these things. And even, even we, we said, hey, good to see you. We give him a hug. And the grandkids would say, yeah, we're, we're a family of huggers. That's a good thing. Showing appreciation. Showing respect. Now, look, just close your eyes for a second. Think about it. Who can you show appreciation and respect to? You've got a telephone that connects you around the world. Who can you say thank you for and send a thank you? Who can you send a, a text to say I appreciate you in my life and say why? You can do this to your kids. You can do this to your grandkids. You could do this to a coworker. Just say, hey, I appreciate you as a coworker. You don't have to be mushy or anything like that. But you can show respect. You can show kindness. It's planting seeds. People aren't going to come to Christ through harshness. They're not going to come to Christ through judgmentalism, you know, and we're this and this, you know. They're not going to come to Christ. Kids aren't going to serve the Lord because you demand obedience. No, they're not going to do that. They're smarter than that. But you can show love, respect, kindness. Use your phone. You can use your phone right now. You can text people right now. Hey, in church, I'm just thinking about you. I just want you to know how much I love you. Hey, I'm in church. I'm just thinking, I want to say thank you for this or that. Thank you for being a coworker. Thank you for helping out in my life. Or thank you for what you did. Or thank you for your prayers. Thank you for standing with me. There's any number of things you can do in your sowing seed. You're showing honor and respect. You're applying the scripture, what Peter talked about, which is more important than the great message of the day of Pentecost because it hits, it hits the family, the home. Because I'll tell you what, you can have all the excitement and the fluff and shout and dance and so forth, but if you're not living the life, it's not going to happen. It's not going to impact people because emotions wear off. But the character of Jesus Christ in us will influence others. So I pray, Father, for people here today and people listening. I pray, Lord, your character to grow in us. I pray 
kindness and appreciation, tenderheartedness, courtesy, thankfulness. I pray that would grow in each one of us here, in each one of us listening. I pray, Jesus, just that that would flow out of us toward people around us. Even people that seemed not agreeable. But it would flow out of us that a blessing, not a curse, would come out of our lips. Because you've called us to bring a blessing. You've called us to give blessings, not curses. So, Lord, I thank you that even out of our mouths and out of our actions would come your character, Jesus. A blessing, I pray, on every home here and every home listening. A blessing on their lives, Father. And Lord, I thank you. You are transforming us to be like you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you visit our house all the time. (laughs) You were there yesterday, last night, this morning. You visit our house. You see exactly what's going on in every person's life here. And Lord, I pray we yield. People would yield to your Holy Spirit. Yield to your will. Yield to your word, Father. And Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for this. I thank you for blessing people now. Mother's Day, blessing the moms, blessing the women of God, Lord, here and online, Father. Thank you for blessing them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Let's thank God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.